Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good evening. Welcome to the 4-30-16 edition of Daily Talk, Researcher 135's community call here on www.talkshoe.com with your host, Rich Bernadeau. First of all, I want to send a shout-out to our upcoming guests next week, May the 7th. We are having Donya Wiccan back. And she was on a few months ago. She was a fantastic guest. She'll be telling us about her friend, Ben, and you can go into the archives here to listen to her previous appearance. And by the way, tonight's guest, Linda Beauvais, is also a return guest, and she was on my show some months back also. And you can Google that show, or you can go to my Facebook groups and find it, A Daily Talk and Best of Daily Talk. And then right here in the archives of uh, TalkShoe, Research a 135's community call. You go into the archives, and every single show that I've done for the past year is archived and recorded, where you can not only just listen to them, but you can download them as well, and you can share them, burn them over to disk, whatever. And uh, Linda Bovey was an excellent guest last time, and tonight she's going to be back, and she will be talking about her book, The Gabriel Principle. Uh, by all means, call in, of course, 724 444. 7444 and call ID 137 393 plus the pound sign. Quite often uh, on talk show when you call in, it will ask you, uh, says if you are not a member of talk show, please press 1 plus the pound sign. By all means, do that, and it takes you straight into my show where you can ask a question or make a comment. Similarly, if you don't succeed in getting through on the line, you can uh, be in the chat room here. The show also has a chat room, and in there you can ask a question or make a comment, and I will read it on the air. Uh, Next month, the very first uh, Saturday in June, uh, Saturday, June the 4th, uh, Jeff Schleed, the CEO of Vango, will be returning again, and he has been a guest on my show three or four times prior to this, and we're looking forward to having uh, Jeff Schleed back to talk about uh, online auctions, online sales, and of course his uh, online auction site, uh, vango.com. If you haven't been there yet, I want to recommend it, www.vango.com, where it is free to list and sell, and it's a very nominal fee if, if items uh, do sell. And you can list as much as you want. And I uh, see we have uh, Montreal region of Quebec on the call. So without further ado, I would like to send a shout out. Good evening, Linda Bovey. How are you this evening? I'm fine. You? Doing fantastic. Welcome to Daily Talk. Glad to have you back. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Oh, you're always welcome. You were a fantastic guest in the past, and I'm looking forward to what you have to tell us tonight. Tell me, uh, you have a book out called The Gabriel Principle. 
uh, what kind of book is The Gabriel Principle? Well, The Gabriel Principle is a novel. It's a story, and it's a true story. And it was written, um, actually it took me 20 years about to, to write it. And in the book, there's two periods of time. There's 20 years ago, and there is like five years ago. There, it's like two stories happening at the same time, and I switch from one to the other. And uh, so I just want to tell people that it's not a how-to book or uh, it doesn't talk about, you know, explaining reincarnation. It's really a story. Oh. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Linda, we have a caller from Central Illinois. Good evening, Central Illinois. Hi, Rich. How are you this evening? I'm just fine. If you have any comments or questions during the show, we have Linda Beauvais with us, and she's talking about her book, The Gabriel Principle. Okay, I'll be sure and ask. Okay. Linda, tell me, when did you first want to write a book? Well, it, when I was a teenager, I, um, I, I really liked to write. I used to write poems, you know, like a lot of teenagers and little short stories. And uh, to me, if I wrote a book, that would be the most exciting thing to do. I had a sort of a talent of drawing. And everybody thought, well, she should go in drawing and what. But my secret was that I wanted to write. And uh, I wanted to write just one book. And basically, that's what I did. I wrote one book, which I felt is important. And I feel that it is what I was meant to do. Well, and you know, it's not uncommon for someone who's talented artistically or musically to also be a good writer. Do you feel that you had a natural talent for writing? Well, the thing is, is that when I was in elementary school, I had a hard time uh, writing and reading. Um, at the time, we didn't know why I had a hard time reading, and now I know because I'm dyslexic. So it's very hard for me to write without switching letters around, and, and from one time to the other, I can't remember how you spell the words. So that's not very good if you say, oh, well, I want to be a writer and you can't spell, you know. And that's why, in a way, I kept it a secret because I was afraid that people would say, well, come on, well, you can't write. And it's like that with my family. Um, even to this day, they're kind of surprised that I, I wrote a book. So, no, I didn't have the natural talent of writing, but it's something that I like to read. I like the type of uh, reading. I like to read books written in the first person, and that's what I did. I did a book written in the first person. It, it's, it's like a journal, but I wanted to make it funny, uh, um, and I wanted to say something important. So that was and, – and I wanted to make it fair – I wanted to make it where people would read it and would want to continue reading it. Because I know I, I read a lot of books that, um, you know, you read 30 pages and you're there, well, when is this going to get exciting? When, when am I going to get into it and I won't want to let it go? And that's why I wanted to write a book where people would get into it really quickly. So I'm not very good at, at doing, like, big descriptions of how beautiful the, the, the scenery was and all that. I really get into the story. You know, so that's that's the way I write. 
Linda Beaufay, um when did you decide to write a book? You say, I think you said it took you about 20 years to put it together? Yes, yes, it, it did. Because, uh, well, it started in, I, I would say I started to write in 1993, about. And I started to explain um, how I discovered my past lives and what. And I also did a trip to try and prove my past life by trying to find in the records uh, uh, my past life. So there's a part in the book that I did that. And then there's a part, and I didn't know how to finish the book, and I kind of left it for a while. And then in 2009, something happened, and I figured out what I should do to finish the book. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Looking back now, when did you start to learn about reincarnation? Well, I was um, I was married at the time, and I used to read a lot of books on life after death and, and Edgar Cayce, who said reincarnation. And I have to say that I read it more like a re I was skeptic. I didn't know whether it was true or not, and but it really interests me. And so at one point I got a book, and it was Dick Sutton, and it was a book that actually gave a, stri uh, um, a script for hypnosis. And I thought, wow, you know, maybe I could do this, you know, hypnotize somebody or what. And at the time, my husband, he didn't believe in any of this. And he would say, well, why are you wasting your time reading about this stuff? And, and, and I said to him, well, can you just read this book and... And then tell me if you think it's not good or what. And he did. And then it kind of piqued his interest also to see that maybe maybe reincarnation is, is true. And my husband at the time used to meditate. Now, I, I could never meditate at, at that point. Uh, you know, not only being dyslexic, I was kind of attention deficit trying to uh, calm down and not think of anything or what. To me, it didn't make any sense. I couldn't do that. And so we decided that I would do the script and he would, you know, go in a relaxed state and see if he can go in a past life. So that's what we did. We, uh, I, I hypnotized him, and I didn't think it was going to work. And on the first try, he went into two different lives. He went into a life of uh, a Viking where he, he would kill a lot of people to get... get uh, uh, that's the way they lived then. They killed people to go get their goods and what. And at one point, he said that his wife had been kidnapped and that he was going to get his wife back. And so it was all really interesting. And then I would check into, uh, you know, at the time, libraries to see if this is the way a Norseman would, would live. And, uh, and then he went into another life where he was in a concentration camp uh, with the Nazis, and, at, and he was killed in the, those showers. So it was very interesting to, because at the end of each, um, re I mean, a regression, I would ask, what did you learn? And in the Viking life, he said, well, I learned hatred and violence. And then in the Nazi life, I asked him, what did you learn? And he says, I learned to be the victim of hatred. So there was a complete reversal of roles there. 
So that really, like, oh, I got to see more about this. So some would even even say there was a balancing out of karma there. You know, a karmatic lesson involved. Yes, I do believe that. And and all through my book, because we go see about seven or eight lives, and it really makes like a never-ending story where in one life something happens, and the next life, well, maybe we'll revenge, and the next life, well, we'll create another karma, and the next life, well, we solve it or whatever. So I regressed my husband, which he said that, he knew me in certain lives. Like in the Viking life, he knew me. I was his wife, and I'm the one who was kidnapped. In the back of my mind, when I was hypnotizing him, I, th- I thought, no, no, I was not kidnapped. It's sort of like I knew the story, and I knew that I ran away. I did not get kidnapped. So when I asked him questions, like in his reality, his truth was that I was kidnapped. And and so that made me think that everybody has their own truth, their own reality, what what is truth to, to them. And, um, and and we went back all the way to his first life, where he was a twin flame, where he went into an adult body, and he had his twin flame. Now, I wasn't his twin flame, but in that life, which was a long, long time ago, he lived in a cave, I ended up being his daughter. And as it turned out, in many lives, I had been his daughter. So, Could a a twin flame be, be defined as very similar to a soulmate? Yes. The the soulmate, like I could say that my husband was a soulmate because we come back again and again in different lives. But I'm I'm one of many soulmates. He's had a lot of soulmates, or I've had a lot of soulmates. Uh, a friend, a mother, a father, a son. Those can all be soulmates. But a twin flame is somebody that you went uh, and lived your first life together. And uh, it's sort of like one soul that's split in two, one in a female and one in a male. And and then the first life you're together, but then you reincarnate and you go separate ways and you learn different things and what. And, and sometimes it's hard to be with your soulmates because you're not ready to be with your soulmate yet. You haven't really learned enough about being human to be with your soulmate. I know two of my other past guests on past shows, uh, you may be acquainted with one or both of them, uh, Courtney Starkey, who is in Hawaii and also here in the United States, um, and she does uh, past life regressions and has had extensive experience with them. And, of course, Gwendolyn Rose, and both of them talk about how people, when they come back in different lives, will often switch roles. Maybe this time you're going to be the brother or the sister, whereas in a past life, you might have been the wife or the mother. Do you find some of that switching of roles in different lifetimes? Absolutely, absolutely. In my book, my husband was my father. He was my friend um, and my husband a few times. And uh, soulmates do do that switch a lot of time. My brother has been my son. My son has been my friend. My mother has been my sister. So all these things I have found out 
that yes, oh yes, and my husband was once a female nurse, my female nurse. So not only can you switch roles, but you can switch sex. So that's that's pretty neat. <laughs> I have a, a little anecdote or an aside I'd like to share with you from a, a neighbor friend of mine from some 25, 30 years ago. He has now passed on rather recently mm-hmm. within the past few years to the other side. But he was a, a liberal Catholic priest at that time. He later became an old Catholic priest, which, of course, is connected with the Orthodox Church. At any rate, he went to a monastery in Oklahoma City to a retreat. And while there, he experienced a past life regression under post-hypnotic regression and and experienced being a Viking in, in one of his lives. And he felt the sword and the shield, and he could describe the, the feel and the texture of those things. And uh, that was a very, very vivid experience that he had. So I thought I would share that uh, as weighing in on the Viking uh, lifetime well, that your husband had. Yeah, because a lot of people, I mean, even with if they've um, been born Catholic or whatever religion that doesn't believe in reincarnation, and then they do a past life regression, and they they feel the emotion of a past life. That's what happens when you do a regression is that you sometimes you have an emotion or sometimes you even see pictures, and it feels so... Uh, you feel so connected with it that you really feel that it's true. I mean, Edgar Casey was really, really religious, and he'd go in a trance and then start telling people that because of a past life, they had this ailment and all that. So in a way, he had to start to admit that reincarnation existed, since in a trance he would actually talk about it. But in real life, when he wasn't in a trance, you know, he, he did Bible studies and, and what. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Linda, you also wrote about Volka. Who is Volka? Well, when we started to do past life regressions with my husband, we also read a part of a book where we could do automatic writing. Now, automatic writing is sort of like get into a relaxed state, a trance, and you write a question at the top of the um, the page, and then you ask your spirit guides to help you uh, write the answer. So my husband at the time wanted to try that. Since he was very, very good at getting very deep uh, trance, he was very good at, at being regressed. So we did that. We put a pad on his lap, and my job was to turn the pages while he write. Well... We asked a question to Volka. I'm, I'm sorry, Volka um, is a spirit guide. So we asked uh-huh. a question not knowing if he was going to answer whatever, but we asked the question. We didn't know his name at that point. And then my ex-husband starts to write. And he writes, he writes, he writes really fast. And I change the pages. And he writes and writes. And at the end of his writing, he wrote, he signed, Your Spirit Guide, Volka. So, and it was very, very interesting what he would write because at the time, I'm, I'm not married with my husband anymore because we were having a hard time at that time. And the question was, why are we having a hard time with, you know, our relationship? And Volka answered uh, a long answer. And, I mean, it couldn't have been him writing it because it, 
you know, it, it wasn't like his writing. He was saying, well, you, uh, his name was Bill, you, uh, you try to control and, uh, and all that. So what was written, it really convinced me that it wasn't my husband writing. And at mm-hmm. one point, at one point, uh, uh, we did it again, and I wasn't switching the pages fast enough, and I couldn't keep up. So I kind of asked the question, could we just have a conversation? I would ask you a question, and he would answer as Volca. So really, he was um, um, letting Volca talk through him. And Volca helped us understand all these past lives. And at, at certain points, he would say, well, go see this certain life. And then we would do a regression, and then we'd find out what happened in the life. And then I wanted to know more about Volca. And apparently he was, in one life, he had been my brother, and he had been the friend of my husband. And at one life, in that life, my husband had saved his life. So in this life, Volca decided to be his guide. And um, sometimes we don't listen to our, our guides too much. We have to, you know, when we have a question or what, we have to be quiet down and let the, the thoughts come in our mind. Anyways, so my husband, uh, he would talk as as Volca, and and finally I had many conversations about life, death, uh, twin flames, soulmates. Uh, Volca explained all kinds of things, and he explained, you know, concepts that are very uh, hard to believe, like that we choose our death, which that was, you know, like I'm, I, I write what he says, but I'm a little bit skeptic and but I choose to believe eventually because, you know, and I sort of have conversation with Volca and say, come on, like if, if, if I ran in front of a bus or something, I, surely I didn't, I didn't choose that. And then Volca would say, well, you know, you have intuition, and if you listen to your thoughts, uh, you'll be more cautious and you won't run in, in front of a bus. So anyways, it's very interesting uh, conversation in which Volca really explains things much better than I can. <laughs> so are you familiar with the Are you familiar with the writer Jane Jane Roberts of the Seth material? Yes, Jane Roberts, yes. Uh I yes. read a few of her books. Absolutely. Um, Seth came, you know, through her in a very, very similar fashion to what you're describing. And uh Again, it was documented, and, and of course, they tape recorded a lot of the, that when she would would talk, and, and the automatic uh, answers that would 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 come. I guess it, it's a it's a trance-like state, and then they wrote it down too. And, and a lot of the books, uh, such as the Education of Oversoul Seven, discuss a lot of these different concepts. Uh, some of the same concepts, I'm sure that Volka has also been discussing. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I I've read James uh, Robert, and she's very technical. Uh, Volca was, I guess, because, uh, you know, to understand, I needed things to be a bit more simple. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so Volca is a little bit less technical than the spirit guide of Jane Roberts, which is, 
you know, good for some. Because I think that my book is really good for people that are starting to discover past lives and starting to discover about reincarnation because it's within the story you you get to learn a lot of how it works and and what so uh you know i i think it's good for 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 young people to learn about reincarnation and and and, and it's a fun story too so tell us linda you mentioned earlier uh, making a trip and in your book you write about a trip uh, you make to Wichita, Kansas, to research, uh, to document one of your past lives. Could, could you tell us about that? Yes. One of the most recent past lives was that I was a singer in Wichita, Kansas. I didn't come from Wichita. I came from the east, and I was in Wichita uh, uh, to uh, a singer, and my husband at the time was my piano player. And um, in that life, I ended up I ended up committing suicide because uh, I used to drink a lot. <laughs> Maybe because I, um, you know, so that I can be in front of the stage and sing. It was it was my life that I abused alcohol, and also medicine because at the time there was medicines that were like drugs that you could get at drug stores and stuff like that so the combination of the two ended my life and the thing is i was also very hard to work for and um and i was having an affair with 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 a married man and uh he broke off with me and that's when i started you know drinking and i took my life so that was the past life. Now, I wanted to try and verify that, but I, I, I had the name of the, uh, the married man that I was having an affair. The piano player, they call, he called himself Lefty, so that, you know, that was not uh, a name that I could really research. But it was Wichita, Kansas, and, um, and my name was Kitty Lang. Now, I could not find Kitty Lang, but I did find the name of uh, of the married man. I found his house. Um, I went to the cemetery, and and this this trip, I explain it by going back and forth to the trip, and then going back to to explaining the past lives and all that. So there's a lot of going back and forth in my book. But uh, it sort of makes you want to, okay, now she's in the bus, she's with this, she's finding this, and then uh, discovering how the past life builds up to that point of finding out that past life of the singer. Linda, when you found his house, did you have an instant feeling of deja vu, an instant recognition? Um, I, there's one thing that I did. Um, the the house of the married man, I had a picture in my mind. And I knew that it had to be close to the village uh, because, or the downtown because at that time in the 1800s, uh, Wichita, Kansas was very uh, small. And uh, when I was there in Wichita, I went to, it, it's called Cowtown, and it's a little western town that shows what the buildings used to look like 
And when I was there, it was like, wow, you know, like, I mean, it meant something to me. It, it felt familiar. And then at one point, I went into the um, a hotel where there's just a one room with a bed and sort of like a bureau with a bowl where you wash your hands. And I got in there, and I felt this very lonely feeling. Um, so to me... You know, all this could be in my imagination, but to me it was like that's the kind of room that I, that I finished my life in. And um, when I found and I, it, the house of the married man, to me it was a um, Victorian house, but I'd never seen it. And when I found the house, it was, it was a Victorian house, so I was really, really up, really happy that I found that. But I was never able to find the ultimate proof of the singer and the story of her dying and everything, I was not able to find that. So, so that, yeah, I'm sure that's, that's one part that of the Probably going to continue to work question. on. And... Go ahead, Jerry. Yes. Uh, well, you talk about that you have uh, regressed uh, your husband on numerous occasions. Yes. Have you ever regressed anyone else? Yes, because after. Um, it, it was more of a hobby. I'd have friends that said, oh, can you regress me? Can can you do that? And I did quite a few people. Uh, um, and after, because because I never took a course in that, I decided that I would go take a course, and I took one, a course, a six-month course in hypnotherapy. And I found out that I actually was doing it right. <laughs> uh, but I prefer to do past life regression, not hypnotherapy. So, um, yes, I have, I have done it quite a few times with people. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. I, I haven't made a profession out of it, though. Linda, you also write about solving karma with your son. Tell us about that. Yes. At one point, um, my husband hypnotized me. Like it was like we, we were playing on this is your turn. And I went into a life where I felt so much um, sadness. Um, and I didn't see anything. I kind of, I don't know, to me it was more emotions that I felt. And when I talked to Volka, he said, in that life, my son died as a baby. He died falling off a cliff. And I felt it was my fault because I did not, um, I did not check on him enough. So I was carrying, even in this life, a guilt. You know, when my son was born, I had this fear that he would get hurt. And the responsibility was, like, overwhelming that I, could, I had to check on him all the time. And maybe that's normal for, to be a mother, but, you know, when he was a baby, I was very afraid. At one point, um, when he was four years old, my son fell uh, at a dock in between a boat and the dock. And I drove, drove and there was like a space of six inches, uh, and I dove in between the boat and the dock and I went way underneath my son and I pushed my son back up uh, in between the boat and they untied the boat. It was a ferry boat and uh, I had a whole bunch of duffel bags around my neck and I didn't even think of taking them off and I was pushing my son 
And at one point I thought, well, you know, Linda, you got to go to the top yourself or else you're not going to breathe. And I actually felt guilty of going back up to the top, but I did. And at that point, my son was holding on to a, a barrel with his head way out of the water. And my son was saved. And I had a VOCA session after that. And I said, why did that happen? And he said, I needed to save my son's life to get rid of the guilt of that other life where I thought it was my fault because he died. So you see, in one life, you created guilt, uh, fear, or hatred. In another life, you, uh, you might do the opposite to get rid of a karma. Uh, and usually it's with positive emotions, love, caring. So that's how you get rid of a karma is, is by um, forgiving people, really. So that, that's how I got rid of the karma with my son. Mm-hmm. You talk about uh, communicating with with Volca. Do you still communicate with Volca? Well, the thing is, is that me and my husband, we we separated, we divorced, and of course, I was used to just talking to Volca through my husband. And when he left, well, I I didn't have access to him anymore. And I thought, well, that's it. I'll never find out anything else about past lives. I'll never have any conversations with Volca. Um, and, like, I didn't want to talk to my husband. I wanted to talk to Volca. <laughs> 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 but, um, but Volca said, <clears throat> Linda, you do have the answers within you. You have to believe that you have the answers within you. And I didn't believe it because... Like I said, I, I couldn't meditate. I can't concentrate. I have a hard time relaxing. So to me, it was over. And then I separated with my husband. I became a single mother. I was very poor. I had relationships that weren't very, very good. Uh, one was uh, an alcoholic, and the other one was a workaholic. And it it, it, it kind of like... Like this life, I had to take care of my son, and uh, and I had no uh, no connection at all with trying to do the spiritual thing that I did with my husband and figuring out past lives and all that because it is very spiritual when you you start discovering these things. So I spent a good ten years of of having a hard time. And uh, at one point, I said to myself, well, okay, listen, i got to try. You know, Volker always said that I could do this. So I put a tape to relax, and I got in a relaxed state. And I put a paper on my lap, and I wrote a question, and I started writing. And I wrote, and then I read another question, and I wrote, and, and all that. And basically, I was just writing what was coming up in my, my mind. And um, and I think that uh, Volca was helping, and, and 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 other spirit guides that I have. So when I reread it after, it's like I'm amazed at what what has come out. And I think that if I could do that, anybody can do that. And I, that's what I want to, with this book, encourage people to find out what is their truth. What is 
what is their answers within? Why have they lived certain things? I know why I have lived certain things, because every once in a while when I'm kind of mixed up, I put a tape on, do the relaxation, and start writing, and um, and I get my answers. So, so that's uh, that's I think that. Like I say, I'm still talking to Volca. And at one point, my husband said, he said before, because he moved away, he moved to Vancouver, and he said to me once, he says, I've asked Volca to stay with you. Now, is that true or not? I don't know. But anyways, I feel that Volca loves me too, and, and he helps me. So, mm-hmm. Well, that's fantastic, Linda. Tell us about Alex in your book. Who is Alex? Okay, Alex is, you see, like I said, I wrote a part that was 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and then I wrote a part that I, that's, that I wrote in 2010, because my, uh, my book of reincarnation and all that, it really didn't have an end. I didn't understand where I was going with this book, so I had put it aside, and Alex is somebody that I met, he, he's a a, a guy that I knew when I was a teenager, and I hadn't seen him in 30 years. And we started writing emails to each other. He was divorced. He was also very, um, he suffered from depression. And my initial uh, reason, well, I always liked him when we were a teenager. I liked him, but I had heard that he was having a hard time because of his divorce. He had five kids, and I thought, well, I'll write to him, and maybe I can cheer him up a bit. And so I started writing to him, and then at one point I said, well, you know, I I like to write, and I have written a book. So I would write to him emails, and I would send him part of the book. So my book is actually that. There is a part in the book where it's a conversation with Alex through emails. And even the emails form a story mm-hmm. uh, of our relationship. And during that relationship, I would send him part of the book, and he would read that, and then we would continue. And we started a relationship, an email relationship, uh, where I ended up uh, feeling for him a lot. And we met like five times, and um, but he was he was uh, taking some medication for his depression. He was seeing a psychologist uh, and a psychiatric person, and uh, he had a really hard time uh, living with depression, clinical depression. So most of the time when he was with me, he was absolutely really happy and what. But as soon as he wasn't with me, you could tell on his emails how hard it was in his mind to to have good thoughts, to not have black thoughts. Like he would say, I'm having really dark thoughts. And um, and, uh, his name, Alex, really showed me, because I was sort of like, oh, come on, you know, cheer up. Uh, life is beautiful. You never know what's around the corner. Uh, look at all the beautiful things in life. And, and he explained to me that he, was, he had an illness in his brain. It didn't show, but he couldn't just cheer up. 
it was it was too hard and 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 I understood after what depression was and I really tried I really tried to um I tried to 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 cheer him up and and you know but uh he lost the battle with depression and again it seemed like karma came to me because in a past life I'm the one who committed suicide and in this life it's him so once again, sort of a reversal of, of situation. Absolutely, absolutely, yep, <laughs> yep. So it's it sort of that's it came full circle. It sort of made like it tied the end of my book. And at that point, I wanted to know why, why did I have to live this? And that's when I did more um, writing and uh with with my spirit guides to try to understand that uh-huh. I needed to understand what it what it does to people when someone close to you uh commits suicide. I needed to learn that yeah. mm-hmm. and do you convey and share that that impact uh with others so that they could benefit from it. Absolutely, and 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 to, to show that yes, I discovered why I live because you know a lot of things happen in life that it's not all that fun, and but it, if you look back on it a few years later or whatever, you understand that you had to go through that to get to the next step. Or it's to a, learn, a learning and a growth experience. Yeah. Yes, a growth experience, and uh, uh, I, I think. In a way, I'm I'm happy that that I think I've evolved and I have learned. That's why I think that karma is good, is a good thing that that you get to uh, to to learn things and emotions. You learn what it's like to be human, and that's what we're here for. We're on this planet all together, and and we're all here to learn the human race. And and to be who we want to be. I've always wanted to be a writer, and now I'm, I've 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 done it, <laughs> and I'm happy mm-hmm. about that. Uh, so, mm-hmm. self actualization is part of that whole learning process. Yes, absolutely. Like a lot of people have the dreams of doing one thing or another thing, but. Uh, so you work on it little bit by little bit. You have to move a little bit uh, towards your goal. I know I took my time. I'm still taking my time because uh, I'm already 60 years old. And uh, to me, I'm happy I did it. If it sells, good. If it doesn't sell, oh, well, but I did it. And and that's my attitude towards it. You know, it's like it's like I've... I've completed my my job that I wanted to do. So, mm-hmm. Well, Linda, what would you say is the key message that you'd like to convey in your book and that, that you're conveying in your book? Well, I think there's a lot of different messages, really. Like I said before, that, that everybody has their answers within and, and that we don't, we aren't born with a clean slate that there's all kinds of things that, you know, people have talents 
you know, at a young age, and they wonder how how does this kid can play like this and all that because there's something behind it. There's other lives before. You know, there's languages that you can some kids can learn really quickly, and and um, uh, anyways, that, that's what I want to. I I, I want people to maybe think, yes, maybe that's possible. Maybe it's possible that I've lived many times before. And sometimes you you feel, uh, wow, I've, I've been to this place before. I, I recognize something or an emotion. Uh, sometimes you'll watch TV and you'll see somebody and you'll feel for that person and the situation, but you've never lived that in your own life. But you know how that person feels. So... Is that a déjà vu? Maybe, uh, but it could be a clue that that you've lived before. Or another thing, let's say your your mother, uh, you have a relationship with your mother, but she's more like your sister to tell you the truth, you know. Or or you're her daughter, but you feel more like their, her her mother because you take care of your mother sometimes. So. Even in this life, you might get clues of who you were in a past life towards your soulmates. In fact, in uh, one of the uh, shows that uh, Gwendolyn Rose was on uh, several months back, I don't remember the name of the movie, forgive me, but she recounts uh, going to the movie theater with a friend to see a movie, and it's a modern-day pirate-type movie, but it takes place in present time. But she felt and experienced uh, a real jolting deja vu of having gone through that type of experience in a past life. And, of course, it turns out that that, that is what happened during one of her past lives. She did go through a very, very similar experience to what was on the screen. And she talks about that uh, in one of the episodes that she was on. And, of course, when I have her back on again, uh, in a few weeks or a couple of months, how better to uh, repeat that story because it bears repeating. <clears throat> and that's one of the examples that comes to mind when you talk about that. And I think when people see something on the screen that they immediately recognize or identify, very often that may be what's taking place. They're having a mm-hmm. emotional reaction to something that they have an affinity to, something that they've experienced or witnessed before. Mhm. Well, yeah, like uh when before I knew anything about my past lives or whatever, I used to be really interested in uh Marilyn Monroe and how she was uh, you know, singer actress and all that and that she committed suicide or mm-hmm. or or uh you know, like now Whitney Houston or um Well, you know there's some question about Marilyn's death. Me feel it may not have been suicide in Marilyn Monroe's case. Well, it's yes, because I did read the book, and it could be a conspiracy or what. But at the time, I didn't know that. I didn't read the book. And I know that, like with Julie Garland, uh, mm-hmm. being a singer and taking all kinds of pills so that you can get up, so that you can perform, uh, you know, these things happen if you don't deal with fame right and it's funny because when I was a kid, I used to look at uh, Shirley Temple, and I'd say, I'd say to my mom, "Oh, I want to do that. I want to sing. I want to dance." You know, I'm like five years old, and my mom says, "No, no, you, that's not for you. You know, these people have hard lives, and sometimes they take 
example of Judy Garland, which, you know, very closely parallels your life as, as a singer, because, in fact, the studios did that to, to Judy. Judy is a modern-day example, Judy Garland, of, of how the studio system, when she was very, very young, you know, they gave her pills to keep her thin, diet pills, uh, you know, to keep her awake and alert and to keep her thin so she wouldn't put on extra weight. And so she battled uh, well, the drug and too, alcohol from Yes, You know, did. also, too, uh, Mickey Rooney reported in his book that there were times they were dancing nonstop in uh, rehearsals, 16 hours to 18 hours a day. So yes. they needed the uppers. They needed yes. the seed. Yes, and and when you think of that, no, you say, no human God. can do that, not for yeah. very long. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. So, uh, I, it's very sad to think that, uh, you know, they did that. That people, you know, their managers or what were encouraging her to take pills and all that, and you know, it's it's, it's not good. And and I could relate to that because I felt that I, I didn't know why I related to that, to tell you the truth, but. After after finding out my past life, then I understood, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm sure other people will, you know, relate to other people, and they're going to wonder why. Why Why is, do I find that so interesting? So, like I said, we're not born with a clean slate. We, we, we've had many, many, many lives. And, I mean, I know just about, like, seven or eight lives, but I'm sure there's many, many more. And there's many more lives that my husband was not with me. Uh, so it's it's very intriguing anyway. So that's the book, like, I wanted to make it interesting, and I think I managed to do that. <clears throat> the uh, married man that you uh, had been involved with uh, in the affair in the lifetime as the singer in Wichita, Kansas, has he reappeared in some uh, way in your life as another person? Have you recognized or identified him as, as someone yes. else? Yes. Well, that's, yes, that's part of the book because there was always a triangle uh, problem between my husband and this Kincaid. Well, his name was Kincaid in the past life, and um, he was a person I was having an affair with in this life. So there was a really a triangle of problem, <laughs> which went which went very far back, because in like the first life that my husband had, I was his daughter, and then um, I got I went away with my lover, which was the same person, and another life after that, I was married to my husband, and I had three kids. And one of the kids was this Kincaid or this guy that I was having an affair with. Mm-hmm. So he was our son, and he was always a very sickly son. And my husband uh, wanted to bring him uh, hunting because that's what they did when they were 13 so that the kid would be a man. And mm-hmm. he went in the hills with my son, which was my baby, basically, and uh, he died in the hills. And at that point, it started really a a karma that, first of all, I blamed my husband, that he sort of like insisted on bringing him when he was sick. So I kind of told my husband to get out, and I didn't want to see him anymore. 
and uh, my the son, which was my lover, uh, he really started a hatred with with my husband. But we were able to, after maybe eight lives of of back and forth hatred and and, and killing and whatever, to to solve a, a lot of it. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in my book, uh, in my book, there's sort of like uh, head slashing and poisoning and all kinds of things that happened in the past life. So I there's a lot of in- intrigue involved in your past lives, weren't there? That's right. That's right. Because like in the Viking life, I got kidnapped, but actually I ran away with this 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 guy. And then when my husband found went to find me at the fort of this, which was his enemy, I don't know if I'm explaining it right. Uh, he found out that I was dead, that the uh, his enemy or my lover or whatever poisoned me so that I wouldn't go back with my husband. And my husband found out who killed me, and he cut his head off, and and so that was not so good karmically. <laughs> yeah. And looking back on your lifetimes, would you say this one has been the happiest or, or the most rewarding uh, if you were to try to assign that to any of your lives? Um, I th- I really do think that we go from better to better to better. I do think that. Not that I would say that my life has been, you know, a bed of roses, uh, but I've always tried to um, be a bit wise about things and 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 forgive people and uh, understand people. So I think that I was a little bit more evolved than than my past lives. Um, but I still got a lot to learn. And um, there was a lot of, uh, in the past lives, uh, when I committed suicide, uh, because I was going out with this married man, I kind of blamed everything on him, the married man. I sort of said, you know, you're just a cheater on your wife and, and, and basically not taking much responsibility and judging him a lot and saying, well, you're married and, and you cheated and whatever. So, so I, I, I didn't have a very good attitude towards people cheating on others. Uh, so in this life, I learned a lot of the reverse and tried to understand that these things happen. And, um, and you know, with, with past lives, you, you sort of have to learn to forgive yourself a lot. <clears throat> um, we're not perfect, so we do things and, and we, can't, we can't carry the guilt because Guilt is one emotion that will create a karma. So hatred, fear, guilt, um, you sort of got to get rid of those and not judge people because judging, you might end up being that person in the next life if you judge them. If you judge them, it's because you don't understand where they're coming from. 
and uh, to understand where they're coming from, you might just have to live exactly, exactly what they're living. So judging is not a good idea. <laughs> hey, try to remind me of the, and this is from one of the American Indian tribes. I don't remember exactly which one, but it's a proverb, you know, I learn not to judge my neighbor until I walked a mile in his moccasins, basically it conveying that same concept. Absolutely, absolutely, yep, mm-hmm, yeah, and so I I judge the cheater, and uh, in this life, I have seen every which way <laughs> I've been cheated on, but I've also cheated, and, you know, I mean, what can you do? You Linda, learn. will there be a, uh, go ahead. Well, you learn to try and accept yourself. And and society, you know, has these rules and everything that sometimes it's not human. It, if you're human, these things happen, and and you shouldn't be condemned for for certain things that are human. Mm-hmm. Well, then in the remaining minutes of of our show, I'd like for you to tell us about where we can find your book. Yeah, well, actually, right now, it's on sale on Amazon. So you just have to write The Gabriel Principle. And if you read on Kindle, uh, you can get it for 99 cents until tomorrow midnight. So um, I, I think people, it'll entertain you. And, and if you start reading, you're going to want, most people that have read it, they've read it in a few days, and they could kind of, they get stuck in it and, um, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to entertain people because um, I tried to put a little bit of humor in it to not take myself too seriously, and uh, I think it, it's good. So, so that's it. It's on sale on Kindle for ninety-nine cents till tomorrow, and or you could just write my name, Linda Beauvais. No, I think it's easier to put the Gabriel Principle, but. Uh, so it's not, it's on sale, and uh, I'm pretty sure it's a good book. You'll like it. Well, Linda Beauvais, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. And, of course, I would love to have you back on again sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. And for everyone out there, I want to wish everyone a great evening. Well, good night. thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.